Welcome back to Cover Stories B-Sides. Uh, today we are welcoming back a uh, friend of the podcast, Seth Bridges. I almost called you Seth Curry. <laughs> we will be talking about Denzel Curry's cover of Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Uh, doing great. Thanks for coming back. Hell yeah. This is going to be fun. Um, this is, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, if you go, one of the uh, YouTube channels that kind of um, influenced this podcast is um, called Like a Version from AJJ, which is this... Uh, this uh, radio station in Australia and they invite bands on to cover songs that kind of inspire them and rapper Denzel Curry covered Bulls on Parade and it's fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, just jumping right into it, uh, what is your relationship with Rage, with Denzel Curry, with the song? Um, I had no relationship with Denzel Curry until (laughs) this. So that was really cool. I was excited and skeptical. Yeah. Uh, uh, Both at the same time where I was like, well, let's see. I'm familiar with Like a Version. Everything I've seen on it, I've pretty much enjoyed. So yeah. I figured there had to be something to this guy uh, for them to use it. But as far as rage goes, uh, it's a long relationship and definitely one that continues to this day because rage is kind of timeless. Uh, yeah. The, the themes they talk about. Um, and I think I appreciate them on deeper and deeper levels because as a white man <laughs> of privilege, um, I think my connection to rage in the beginning was pretty shallow like in terms of like ooh rebellion yeah. against adults uh you know angry and then as i got older and kind of you know delved more into socioeconomics the uh, history of you know kind of uh usa and how we treat each other and, and and others and i think i started to relate to it on a deeper level and then seeing it from like a, a rapper like denzel curry who yeah a lot of his rap as i've delved into him is politically charged yeah obviously i mentioned you know i come from a shallow place like his uh, i think being a black man growing up in america you would definitely relate to rage in a much deeper level than i did at first for sure you know uh so i it, it, i was thinking about that coming here i was like I, it's it's definitely something i felt like i should address like that my coming to this band is from a place of privilege so my understanding of it was probably different you know, and not as not as deep as maybe someone else who like actually experiences the things. Yeah. Uh, versus me being white and seeing it from a distance and getting angry at it, saying like, you know, the system's a lie. It's treating these people horribly, but not me personally. Uh, so yeah, so I feel like the rage would be deeper. Yeah. <laughs> for somebody who's saying the system's a lie, and I see me and my family directly affected by it every day, in uh, with, in my community. So, anyways. That was a mouthful there. No, and, and I think that's important to mention because you've got guys like Paul Ryan who are into Rage Against the Machine and just like, you're missing yeah, the point. Right. You <laughs> fucking motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm glad you brought that up because I, I definitely wanted to talk about that a little bit and how they have this kind of appeal, especially um, not just white suburban kids, but just suburban kids in general. I mean, mm-hmm. even as, as a minority, I, mean, I live in a place where I'm not a minority, but... I'm still a suburban kid. And yeah. when the first time I heard Rage, this was the first song I ever heard by them. Really? And um, I was just like, oh, this sounds really cool. I'm like, oh, that's really political, but I don't know what the fuck that means, you know? <laughs> right. I, I'd never really paid attention to the lyrics, but I just thought the guitar sounded cool and yeah. that guy sounded angry and, and I'm, I, I won't, I'm angry too right. about things like homework and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that and when, when you mentioned that they're, they're timeless, they've inspired a lot of bands who are not good. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that they are still relevant in 2020 and that they're selling out stadiums 
and they're taking this opportunity to all the proceeds that they're going uh, that they're getting from the ticket sales are going towards different charities. Oh, badass! Yeah, um, it's, I think in the one in El Paso, which is the closest one to us, um, is going to go to some. I, I don't know which one specifically, but different um, immigrant um, charities. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's really cool that, that one, they're still relevant. Two, that they're still looked at and it would just kind of, you know, they're, they're revered. But also the fact that it, it hasn't gotten old. I mean, it still sounds cool. Yeah. And I think that's a testament just to their sound and, and their message. Their message mm-hmm. is still relevant today. Yeah. Absolutely. And fucking stoked that they're uh, playing with Run the Jewels. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like... I, man, my introduction to rap was Vanilla Ice. Yeah. You know, like fucking <laughs> cheesy bullshit. Um, and, and I'll be honest, the first time I heard Rage, I don't think I liked it or I didn't identify it. I was like, they sound angry. Why is there rapping? Uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I, my, my stepsister had uh, um, one of their albums and our my older brothers were making fun of her for it and I joined in. And then my freshman year, there was a guy, one of my friends listening to them and I was like, Ooh, rack, rap, rap rock, like making fun of it. Like, uh, you know, limp biscuit. Yeah. That's stupid. Uh, <laughs> you know, and he, he pretty much took me to, you know, he schooled me and he was like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You need to listen to them. You know, there's a message behind it and they're just a fucking amazing band on top of that. Yeah. Um, so I think after that moment is when I first started react, but even still I was, you know, freshman year, very, very narrow minded and, uh, didn't quite understand beyond like, you know, homework, boo. Yeah. About. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, it's interesting too because they kind of came out at a perfect time where you're kind of getting this conglomeration of different genres. I mean, mm-hmm. at that point, hip hop is still only about 20 years old. Damn. So um, it's weird to put that into perspective because obviously hip hop has kind of expanded and then there are different sections of hip hop. But back then it was just, this is hip hop, this yeah. is rap. And to put that, and, and they weren't the first to do this. I mean, Anthrax did that with Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. Public Enemy's music in general without Anthrax was was kind of coming from a rock and roll state of mind. And uh, when you see like Rage's uh, cover album, you see all the different influence. You get like Africans, Africa Zambada and um, yeah. all these other ones. I mean, even they, they played Ghost of Tom Joad, uh, Bob, Bob Dylan song. Mm. Um, so there's just so many influence going into this band and it coming together the way it did. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it sparks these other influences. And now there's bands yeah. 2020 who are referencing them as, as inspiration. Fuck yeah. Yeah, like with Run the Jewels, I feel like uh, that that's probably the most recent, well, other than actually Denzel Curry identifying or really enjoying his music. Um, Run the Jewels has been like huge for me this last year and fucking Killer Mike. Just yeah. The things they talk about, um, it's really cool to see them touring with Rage Against the Machine because it makes, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that... Uh, a message can transcend genre. Yeah. And I, and like we're, we're talking about how, when you see, uh, when you see all the early rage against machine concerts, like the whole crowd is a bunch of angry white, (laughs) you know, like, uh, but if not for rage, we would have never known about places like Chiapas and Zapatistas, uh, um, and and who the fuck the people of the sun are talking about. Because when he was like, this is for the people of the sun. Yeah. Well, who are they? Yeah. <laughs> Can I be one of them? Uh, no. <laughs> but maybe, you know, anyways. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, other than, you know, things like uh, Run the Jewels, I, I've also really been into Mortal Technique. Oh, yeah. Ever since uh, Richard showed them to me early. I don't know when that was, but a long time ago. But, uh, but I, I can't think of too many rappers that I enjoy that don't have some sort of message. Yeah. You know, although I, I love pop. So, you know, yeah, all the, all the fun 
Biggie and Snoop and all the hits that we grew up on are great, but you really want to get me like fucking yeah. angry and jamming in my seat the way Rage does. I listen to, you know, guys like Killer Mike and Immortal Technique. For sure. Um, Denzel Curry is interesting just because he, I was watching an interview with him before, like they, they did a kind of separate interview, AJJ did, about why he chose Bulls on Parade. Mm-hmm. He talked about the message and how it is relevant. He even threw his own verse in there from Fuck Sirens. Yeah, from Sirens, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just, it's it fit, one, it fit perfectly, yeah. and two, just like the message was the same. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how he could write music that ha- doesn't have a message and that it'll still be a banger. It'll still yeah. get people jumping, but he was like, then what's the point, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. I want people to have a good time and bump my music, but I also want them to leave like, oh, hey, I never thought about that. Yeah. Emotions have power and energy. Music has power and energy. It inspires emotions. It inspires all these, you know, just like stress can harm your body. Anger can too. Uh, You know, good feelings of happiness. So music is medicine and music is also a message. Uh, You know, this, this way to really inspire change and new ways of thought in people. And so I feel like if you're an artist, you need to recognize the power of, of your art and, and try and come at it from a genuine place where it has a message and it's not some stupid, shallow, yeah. meaningless thing. Uh, and I'm a sucker for anything catchy, so a lot of music I listen to is meaningless. But, you know, uh, Lizzo, for example, is a new artist who, when you listen to her interviews, she talks about a point in her career where she decided everything I'm going to do is going to be positive. Like I want people to, to feel good about themselves and, and my music to inspire that. And then look at what happened to her career after. Yeah. That. I mean, she was really good before that and deserved praise, but I, I think that decision made a big part of it. And just like with rage being timeless, they weren't trying to get on the radio. They weren't trying to make a hit. They were amazing musicians who had a fucking great product, but they never sacrificed their vision um, or, or what their message was and what they were trying to tell people. And, and inspiring people and i think talking about the cover like with denzel i was excited because i was thinking okay is this guy, guy gonna do something different is yeah he gonna change it now he fucking he kept it the same and I, I think that was really smart because this isn't one of those songs that i'm interested in other artists making their own it's yeah a bit, like uh it was more of a tribute, I think. Yeah. But yet he he showed, like you were saying, with throwing his own verse in the bridge, which was fucking awesome. I when he first started it, I was like, oh, okay. I yeah. knew it wasn't the the original song because that's you know where Tom yeah. was doing yeah. his <laughs> fucking uh, record scratch, cool sounding <laughs> solo, and uh, he throws in this verse, and right away I was like, I need to know where this is from. And then I went and listened to Sirens, but uh, but yeah, there's he did an amazing job. The energy that he brought to it. You, you can't, you can't cover this song and not get angry. You can't listen yeah. to the song and not have, like I was talking about an emotional response. Like something changes in you when you listen to rage. And if you watch those white suburban kids you know, <laughs> jamming in the concerts, like they were changed after that. They're they're The way they view the world is different now because yeah. of rage against the machine. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's something amazing. It's just YouTube, any rage performance. And the whole, it's a sea of people, you know, just moving, yeah. like, uh, this energy. And I feel like Denzel channeled it fucking probably better than anybody else could have. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. It's almost cult-like watching the old, especially the older footage of, of concerts. You just see the wave of, of mm-hmm. people jumping up and down. And I, I think the first, because I heard Bulls on Parade, it was like right before Battle of Los Angeles came out and they had this special on MTV about it. 
and they showed clips from um, a show in Mexico City. Yeah, live in Mexico City. Yeah. That's my favorite live performance of theirs. Mexico City goes hard in yeah. general. Oh, fuck yeah. And it just, it felt like, I think we talked about this on your last episode, like about Prince, it, just, it felt like church almost. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, everyone was kind of just being swayed by the music, especially that song. And uh, it's just a, it's just so cool to see that and, and to see that that kind of influence it has on, on the crowd. It's just almost like you're you're being possessed in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Denzel, right from the very beginning, like if you watch the Leica version cover, he's jumping, yeah. headbanging. So if I was at karaoke and somebody chose to cover Bulls on Parade <laughs> and they just stood there, Come with it now. They rally around your family. You know, because there's a lot of times where you watch people do karaoke and they're covering a song and they're just talk singing it. Yeah. Standing there, not really putting emotion into it. Okay, I'm covering a song. You can't do that with this. Yeah. You could be the worst singer in the world and you're going to fucking yell that. Yeah. Like with Prince. He's another one of those artists where his everything, there's something spiritual about it. Yeah. If you did Purple Rain, and just stood there and said, purple rain, purple <laughs> rain. Like, all right, people would be pissed off. Yeah. No matter how bad of a singer you are, you're going to go, purple rain, you know? Yeah, for so sure. I feel like Rage is, uh, and Bulls on Parade especially, is one of those things that, like, if you read these lyrics and, and listen to that fucking jam, don't, 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 you know, you're going to headbang, you're going to yell. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. Um it's funny. I, w- I was watching. I watched a few videos because uh, they. I mean, YouTube is full of like. I feel like the 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 age we live in now. It's people always give our like the younger generations crap about like. Oh, you're watching people play video games. You're watching, but it's all about the analytic aspect of it. And there's a lot of so and so reacts to this or yeah. whatever. So there's a few on on YouTube. There's a few um, series where like metalheads are reacting to this cover. Yeah. And one, I think it's cool that we live in an age now where. Metal, like metal in general, has like some of the most snobbiest fans, mm-hmm. and the fact that they are not only listening to this, but they're also familiar with Denzel Curry. And yeah, there is one I watched where these two guys, and they look like straight out of Airheads, like they the long hair, and um, they're just talking about like, yeah, you know, he's a metalhead. Like Denzel Curry is a metalhead. Like he's yeah. a rapper, yeah, but in one of his other songs, Black Metal Terrorist, he he. Those allusions to six 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 number to beast Iron Maiden. He mm-hmm. those allusions to corn freak. He mentions freak on yeah, the leash. Yeah. So like, kind of got a uh, hair like, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's got the perfect like head banging hair yeah. in in the video, especially. Uh, we watched videos of him uh, cover Chop Suey. Ooh, uh, he well he kind of just sang along to it like a recording of it, but he also covers Eye Against Eye by Bad Brains. Um, I don't know if this is something that I heard or if. My friend Milo told me this, that he just wanted this to happen. But HR, whatever his name from Bad Brains, the real homophobic lead singer, he was talking about, like, it'd be cool if they got Denzel Curry to take his place because oh. he could kill it. He could yeah. do it. Um, but uh, he, he covers Eye Against Eye, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah, I think Denzel Curry could do whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. And I think that's what's awesome about uh, you know, rap not being that old, I think. More and more, you can't deny that uh, you know, there's musicianship and fucking skill and genius at, at being a rapper of, of that level. Yeah, and I, I also love that, I mean, I watch a lot of Nardwar interviews. and his, I can love Nardwar. Dude, he's my hero <laughs> in the sense that I, 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 if I can get like 10% of the research that he does, mm-hmm. I would feel satisfied as a journalist. Yeah. 
Um, but he, just in talking to him, I love when he talks to younger rappers because there's always that mentality from older people who about like, oh, like they don't know what they're talking about or they, they don't know the classics, things like that. Yeah. And Denzel Curry, like did he mentioned things from like 92, 93. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they talk about two life, he's from Florida. So two life crew is very important to him. You know, uncle Luke is, is a big influence on just all Florida rappers. So he's, he knows his stuff. He's done the time he's done the research and just, it only makes sense that he'd begin to like rage and there's a lot of these guys, um, would it be through Nardor interviews or through like Amoeba Records, What's in My Bag, things like that, where you see these younger rappers who know their shit, mm-hmm. you know? Vince Staples loves uh, Joy Division. Oh, nice. And you see all these younger rappers who, and, and I hate to be like stereotypical, you don't expect them to like music like that, but then you listen to their music and you're like, oh, this totally makes sense. Like mm-hmm. these influences are there and it's it's just it's just really interesting to see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in talking about rage, it's interesting because I think the self-titled album came out in what, 92 um, and yeah, they were kind I of think. in their late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. And I remember reading a story about how Tom Morello was giving a guitar lesson and he came up with the, the riff for um, killing in a name that part. And he like went and wrote it down. And at that time, I mean, he's not a millionaire. He is probably now. I don't know if he is, but that was just the, the songwriting process for them. They didn't know it was going to be taken to this level. Yeah. And then to see them transition for that to Evil Empire, Evil Empire, I mean. 96. Right? Yeah. And yeah. the self-titled was, was a big hit, but Evil Empire took them to another level. That put them on MTV yeah. more often. And then by Battle of Los Angeles, you see them going to VMAs and mm-hmm. jumping on the stage when yeah, yeah, Limp Bizkit yeah. wins. <laughs> Yeah, the bass player, he climbed up, I think. Did he get charged? I don't know. I think he might have gotten arrested. arrested. That's yeah. That's stupid. <laughs> fucking dumbass. <laughs> he amazed, not him. <laughs> but uh, it, it's just so so funny to see that, in, in a way, they, they've they created something and it inspired this new level of, you get the, the washed version of it. You get mm-hmm. the, like, the rewashing of it and, new metal kind of doesn't happen without rage against the machine. Yeah. But at the same time, they're not put in that same category as like we mentioned, or like Limp Biscuit or mm-hmm. even corn. And I, I mean, I, I enjoy corn. Yeah, it's, me too. I loved corn back then. Like the first, the music I was listening to when I did get into rage was corn system of a down, yeah. you know, all those metal bands and kind of pop metal. Um, I, I did like Fred Durst. The song he did for uh, Mission Impossible. Too, oh yeah, I think it's a good track. Uh, but yeah, and I. But as I've grown out of a lot of those bands, I've never grown out of Rage. Yeah, you know, it's if anything, my appreciation has deepened. Like I was talking about earlier, because now I can, you know, have more years to recognize my own privilege and place in the world, and I, I can identify with the the struggle more. I guess. Yeah. Which you know, I can probably. Uh, thank a lot of things for that, you know, getting a history degree in sociology, but who showed it to me first, yeah. you know, fucking rage. It's, it's a butterfly hurricane thing. You know, yeah. they were the butterfly wings that lead you to that point. Yeah. And, um, I, I just think it's, it's the authenticity, authenticity of rage is definitely what keeps them relevant and keeps them to just separate from crazy town or, you know, all these other like rap metal bands. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even, I don't even know if they are rap. I mean, they are, they're rapping and they're, yeah. metal, but I don't know. There's something on the run. Like there's a soul. Yeah. Their music for sure. 
the bass player and the drummer uh, are probably some the, like the best bass drummer duo, arguably, in my opinion, like uh, of of modern rock bands that we grew up with. The riffs they wrote were fucking timeless, yeah, uh, and just inspire this energy. And then Tom Morello, I feel like he kind of got pigeonholed, maybe where people were like, "Oh, it's a gimmick," yeah, the way he plays, but that's bullshit. No, <laughs> nobody else was doing that, yeah. And when you watch these covers, nobody can duplicate what, yeah. You they have to use, you know, some new effect or they just don't try it. They just do a normal solo. Like the guitar player in Denzel Curry. Great guitar player, but he's not doing Tom Morello yeah. shit. You can't because you don't have Tom, you don't have the soul like Tom Morello. And that's like Rage. They have a soul. You could argue, oh, they're, you know, metal. But no, there's a, there's, there's a fucking, I don't know. There's a groove to it. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think the, just as powerful as Zach De La Rocha's lyrics are and singing and rapping are, the, the band is just as equal of a voice. Yeah. Know? Like there's, I don't know. Yeah. Cause when you think of rage, you think of Zach De La Rocha right away. Yeah. But, but you couldn't have bulls on parade without that. Oh yeah. Fucking just heavy ass and you know, groove behind it. And then Tom Morello solos and, and, and that guy fucking, uh, he went and toured with the boss. Oh really? He, yeah. He, he's Bruce Springsteen's guitar player on the road. I'm pretty really? sure. Yeah. 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 Oh wow. Uh, yeah. Tom Morello is an amazing guitar player. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that like we, when you see a lot of bands reunite, they reunite with new members and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think what you're saying, this is a testament to that. Like every person is integral to that part. Yeah. When they still wanted to do the stuff and Zach was not about it, mm -hmm. they just created a new band, Audio yeah. Slave. Yeah, which is great. Fuck people that don't like that band. <laughs> if you're a Rage fan and you don't like Audio Slave, you're just being a bitch. <laughs> Listen to it. Chris Cornell's amazing. Yeah. He's a person that I didn't appreciate. I, I, I liked Soundgarden. I liked Audio yeah. Slave, but I didn't really appreciate how Same good here. he was until he died. Yeah. And it sucks Sadly. that's pretty yeah. recent, you know? Yeah. Um, I also like the fact that Audio Slave's kind of a play on both of their names, like Audio, Soundgarden, yeah. Rage Against the Machine, Slave, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool that, that they kind of integrated that while creating something new. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of people that got into Rage because of Audio Slave. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a I had a roommate at one point who just didn't really get rage because he was a huge Chris Cornell fan. Uh -huh. So when Chris Cornell went and formed this band, obviously that's what brought him to the musicians that were you know Rage Against the Machine, which I forget their names. The I know Tom Morello, the bass player. I forget his name. I just remember in because I remember the bassist in Battle of Los Angeles is credited as Tim Two K. <laughs> yeah, so I know his name is Tim. I can't yeah. remember his last name. <laughs> um. I, I was listening to, there's a podcast, I can't remember the comedian's name. He's the one that created a comedian jam or comedy jam where stand-ups go do a set and then they play a song with the band. Mm. Um, but he had Bill Burr on, who I learned was a really great drummer. Interesting. Had never known that. But they were talking about the White Stripes. Timing um, is everything with comedians. Yeah. <laughs> Got good timing. Um, they were talking about the White Stripes specifically, but then they started talking about these other bands and... Um, he was talking about uh, Chris Cornell and the interesting thing about Soundgarden is they have these really catchy pop, I mean, they're, they're, they're pop songs because yeah. they're on the radio, but they're in these weird time signatures and that's just so unheard of. You don't, you see bands who do that now and they're not being played on the radio. And he was saying that in, in talking to Chris Cornell or seeing an interview or something that they just did that. They weren't trying to be in five, eight. They weren't trying to do seven, eight. They're just like, Oh, this is the song. Like, Oh, that's, yeah. that's seven, eight. Okay, cool. Let's go with <laughs> it. And then the fact that it was so authentic and, and genuine, 
and you see these bands try to like we're gonna put this song in five eight we're yeah. gonna we're gonna do six eight or whatever mm-hmm. and um it just doesn't sound it is because they're trying to do that and i feel like that that era of like the mid 90s grunge post grunge and you know rage against the machine was in the middle of all that yeah and it's just so the authenticity of it is just it's it's so it's such a breath of fresh air yeah, absolutely. And I think like we keep going back to their longevity. You know, they came out of that grunge era, yeah. that that, you know, maybe some rap rock era and they've they're totally they they stand alone from that, you know, like they emerged from it and left it behind. They're not Yeah. Like I don't know, you you wouldn't group them in it, but when you're talking about bands of that time, you would have to be like, "Oh yeah, Rage Rage is totally in it." But I don't know. I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense. No, I I, I totally get it. Yeah. They're, it, not, they're not stuck in that time. They're not stuck in that genre. They're, I don't know. It's it's interesting, and I, I hate to bring up Bill Cosby, um, but <laughs> one thing you put the Jello in the pudding, <laughs> and you rape the bitches, and you lied to the people. Oh, I mean, man. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it is a conspiracy. Maybe the government is just trying to bring him down because they do that to uh, to black role models in this country. <laughs> they killed MLK people. Look it up. You're worried um, about JFK. Look into the assassination of MLK. <laughs> and then maybe you will believe in character assassination. Anyways. Um, next time on Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> the reason I bring up Bill Cosby is because I was watching an interview with Malcolm Jamal Warner. And he was saying that as he got older in the Cosby show, he wanted to like start using slang mm-hmm. and start using talking more like how he talks at home. And Bill Cosby told him he didn't want to do that because he didn't want to look at this 20 years from now and be like, oh, this is a product of the 80s. This is a project of 1991 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's rage is kind of like that in the sense that they, for one thing, the stuff that they're talking about, the stuff that Zach Delavich is writing about is still relevant. But also, it doesn't really fit in that mold of that time. Yeah. I mean, it, it does and it doesn't. And it, it's just, it really stands on its own, mm-hmm. which is why 20 years later, they're still, you know. Fuck yeah. You, so you were talking about the uh, the metalheads reviewing. Yeah, I, I I watched some reaction videos and I felt like uh, overall everybody, uh, both Rage fans and and Denzel fans, you know, on the Rage side they were super impressed by Denzel. And yeah. On the Denzel side, I saw some people reaction videos who had never listened to Rage, yeah. and watching people like headbang and make that mm, feeling yeah. like where they're like feeling it. Uh, with with the first riff and then the uh, the like the the guitar solo of the record scratch and type yeah. sound like seeing people fucking groove to that really made me happy yeah and I think Denzel probably will get I mean there's definitely a larger following for Rage so it's a good thing for him but I think it's also a good thing for for Rage for younger people who maybe think oh whatever there's some bullshit 90s band to really listen to it yeah like, holy fuck <laughs> there was a BuzzFeed article recently I didn't read it. Um, I don't know why. Uh, no hate on BuzzFeed, but there's these kids. I guess they're like Gen Zers, like teenagers and younger, who weren't familiar with Rage and referred to always at that goth band. What? And yeah, I, I don't, I didn't, I don't know if it was a video <laughs> or an interview. I just saw the headline, and um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's I, just the I, thing where it, it's devolved to that, like in the mindset of people, or if it's just that these are dumb kids. Yeah. But I, I feel like a part of it too is growing up in San Antonio. You still ho- hear rage on on Kiss. Yes. <laughs> so I know we complained a lot about Kiss and not playing anything new. But yeah. I guess in a way there are pros to that. Mm. The fact that we still keep these bands yeah. relevant. Yeah, us dads still want to feel hardcore. 
Um, yeah, you know, it, it's, I never thought I'd get to the point where I was like, I get to the point of my dad in the nineties talking about, you know, um, Rush or talking about, uh, uh, Led Zeppelin and things and bands like that with the bands that I liked at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But here we are. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's really cool though. I, I think that um yeah I, I I think that keeping those bands it, you know not every city or not every major city especially has that type of radio station that just plays pre two thousands rock yeah. yeah um so I I don't know I, I I need to watch that video to see what what the consensus is on these kids who think that rage is goth right they don't even look goth maybe the bass player's tattoos. The, is it the bass player or the drummer that has like the full black? I think it's the bassist. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of almost tribal looking. Yeah. Cool. He always used to play with like that dumb looking beanie too. <laughs> I enjoy bands that don't give a fuck about the, like their image in yeah. terms of, uh, you know, like it's cool. The hives, I liked them in high school. They all wore all black. Yeah. You know, they got your little gimmick. Cool. But something about <laughs> looking up on stage and seeing one guy who looks like, you know, a member of the communist party. Another guy who's wearing long ass baggy shorts and a wife beater yeah. and a dumbass <laughs> beanie. <laughs> uh, then, yeah, I love that. It's uh, it's super refreshing. That's what's so great about Cheap Trick. Oh, yeah. You've got the two nerdy guys. You got the nerdy guy, and you've got the guy who looks like he just got pulled from the kitchen because their drummer couldn't make it. <laughs> yeah. And then you got the two rock stars. Uh huh. Um, I, I love that. That you're right. I love the dynamic, and it, it's kind of cool to see that. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to do that in a post MTV world. You uh, know, it's all about the image. It's all about the brand, especially yeah. fuck brands. Be <laughs> um, people, yeah, Not yeah. A I fucking mean, fucking brand. And there are people who are able to manage both, and I think that's really cool to, to see. Yeah, um, you do see a lot of of musicians who kind of have a persona, mm-hmm. but then you see them in interviews, and they're a different person. Yeah, and it's kind of a breath of fresh air to see. Okay, this is he's playing a part but he's also self-aware about that part. Right. I, I always, I wish looking back, I always wish that in our band photos with Westbound that we had just smiled. In every <laughs> photo. Just smile. Quit trying to look hard. <laughs> we're not. They yeah. were, go ahead. I'm go sorry. ahead. I'm sorry. I just feel like, you know, we, we had some photos where, you know, you're, you're the brooding, yeah. low looking fuck. But then if you meet us in person, like we're happy, uh, very jolly. It doesn't hurt that you guys are all very, very good looking. <laughs> like seriously, it was almost, it was really disheartening being at the same high school. I'm like, man, I'm, I don't oh, have those wow. good looks. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's all, it's all meaningless and shallow <laughs> and they fade. <laughs> We're not fading for you. You're still very, very good looking. Oh, well, you're a handsome um, man too. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I wasn't absolutely. fishing for that. No, you are. You have a great smile. Good eyes. I like your hair. Ditto. And you have a cute nose, too. Oh. <laughs> Zach's very handsome, too. Zach but. knows he's handsome. <laughs> um, I remember being in high school, though, and I, we started kind of just playing. We didn't really have songs. We'd play covers and stuff like that. And one of our friends was all about, like, oh, like, we got to start doing this. We're going to start playing shows and this and that. Um, let me take pictures of you. I'm like, we don't even have songs. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know. Like, what, what is our, our thing? And she would, like, try to take pictures of us and like be like okay do this i'm just like yeah this feels weird exactly i doubt that ever happened with rage you know like (laughs) they didn't get together and go okay guys 
you know, we're going to inspire <laughs> people to, to think twice about capitalism. Look more political. You wear that. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think they just got together and kind of how Tom had written some shit. And he's yeah. like, oh, I could use that here. And Zach probably had, you know, diaries and mountains of journals of words that he yeah. could draw from. And then, you know, you just got a fucking solid bass and drummer to fucking lay down whatever fat, hard, heavy, big dick beat that you want. <laughs> big clip beat. Uh. Um, I remember reading a story about the Buzzcocks wanting to meet the Sex Pistols, mm. um, and they were big fans. And they went and they set up like a meetup with they're doing a, a Sex Pistols were doing a photo shoot. It was probably like Malcolm McLaren set it up or something. And uh, Ray Davies, um, wait, he's this knack. Never mind. The lead singer of the Buzzcocks, um, he was talking about how they were so excited to meet them, and then they show up in the middle of the photo shoot and. Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious are just like playing to the camera and they're like sneering and like spitting and it's just like it felt so fabricated and it really disheartened them that like oh like we thought that we (laughs) were trying to be like you guys but you guys are just trying to be like something you're not yeah um so I mean that's still that's still something that happens today even and uh it's just so interesting to see how we always talk like especially older you know boomer people talk about like oh it was more authentic back then. Like it's always been that way. Yeah. It's just not as, it's not as general. You don't see it. You didn't see it as much back then because you didn't have access to that stuff. Yeah. I think the only thing that lasts is the authentic. Cause you know, who gives a shit about, yeah. about so many songs that were on the radio. But anyways, uh, one thing that, you know, so like the words and, um, words in this song that i really like when i when listening to the song it, it re-inspired me to be like oh i'm gonna listen to all this rage and get yeah. angry again uh well, i mean i'm always angry about certain <laughs> things yes but the line weapons not food not homes not yeah. shoes not need just feed the war cannibal animal i walk the corner to the rubble that used to be a library like that shit will never end as long as uh as long as fucking the systems that we yeah. have in place continue to exist so I think 50 years, 100 years from now, it's like George Orwell. 1984, you take that to any corner of the world and put it in their language and people will will, will identify with that yeah. and, and be inspired by it. And I think that's the same with Rage. You know, the, that line about, you know, I listen to it as a white suburban kid and go, yeah, fuck that. You know, <laughs> I'm sure somebody who's grown up or experienced a war zone would, would like I said, would experience it on a much more yeah. deeper level. But uh, yeah, you, I, I think anybody could listen to rage unless you're some billionaire piece of shit who's scared of uh empowering you know the people then you would listen to it and see it as a threat which i think a lot of yeah people probably did i don't know i wonder if i wonder if they ever uh you know how like you hear about the fbi following certain prominent figures back yeah like because we don't have malcolm x's we don't really have martin luther king's anymore at least uh, maybe i'm wrong maybe we do have just activists who are known and i don't think we do we don't i mean an activist like mlk who was known whether you agreed with him or not in every household in america yeah you don't have that but you do have as much as it pisses people off celebrities and musicians who are known in every home that are being active yeah activists in certain ways so i you know just like they used to follow and shadow uh you know activists back in the day and try and you know uh 
you know, hold stuff against him, like MLK. You know, the FBI yeah. knew he was a cheater on his wife. Which, yeah. Okay, so is our president now. But anyways, uh, <laughs> and they were trying to use that against him. I wonder if bands like Rage have ever experienced that because they're going around the world with the message, ultimately, at the end of the day, that's saying, dismantle this system. Yeah. Um, you know, Rage Against the Machine is literal. Like, yeah. Rage yeah. Against the fucking machine that's holding us back. Uh, that's only benefiting a, a super small amount and making... Men like me who are white and privileged identify with this class that don't have my interests at heart. Um, so, yeah, so I wonder, like, uh, what sort of threats they've received, whether it's from the FBI or just yeah. power structures in general. Like Killer Mike, he has a song about Ronald Reagan where he's like, who's, 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 who's that guy listening to Michael Rinder on the phone? Which, you know, he's Michael Rinder. But so I wonder if he gets get, gets followed because i'll go down these conspiracy theorists rabbit holes <laughs> and then i start seeing every you know all these shadows but if i was this super high visibility band like rage against the machine i probably at some point would maybe get a little paranoid yeah and it's one of those things that knowing that they have to know that yeah like and nip hussy you know or I, maybe i'm saying his wrong his Nipsey? name wrong yeah sorry, yeah yeah I, I didn't know about him till he died yeah and that's a damn shame because his message was oh was yeah fucking awesome and that is a super articulate powerful artist which you know is gone yeah was it an accident i don't know um i i think it the fact that everything you're talking about with rage especially it, it's so I, I love the fact that these people are they have they are elevated to this level and they not only feel that like they can do this but they should do this they should they have a soapbox they have um they have the fan base they have the the what's what's the word i'm thinking of they have the showcase where they can actually showcase these messages and and even if it even if you know two percent five percent of their fans are only ones really getting the message that's still something fuck yeah yeah there's uh i'm gonna go back to the lines in uh that song where he says uh let's see what we don't know keeps the contracts alive and moving they yeah. don't got to burn the books they just remove them uh, that's super true i didn't really know about a lot of stuff until rage yeah like i mentioned earlier a place called chiapas and the people of the sun and the zapatista struggle. yeah i would have never known that if not for a band being like hey there's shit going on you should know about what you don't know enables this power structure and they're all too happy to feed us crap. Yeah. You know, feed us this shit that has no message, that has no inherent value in the medicine that is music. Like, and did you mention the 432 thing? I'm on this new kick. Oh, no, I did. I mentioned before we started. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, there's conspiracy theories on 440 hertz versus 432. You can believe whatever you want, but it's it, it just all goes to this underlying meaning of what is this for? You know, why why is this being fed to me when it comes to the news or music or what's on the radio. And there's certain things that you just can't control. And rage is one of those artists where, uh, you know, they'll live on forever. For sure. It, it's yeah, definitely. Um, just to, to kind of cue people in uh, there. We're talking about 440 versus 432. Most music is tuned to 440 Hertz. Yeah, a 440. And then I know you told us last time we did this kind of off air, but the 432 conspiracy is just about like, is it like an enlightenment thing at that level or? Yeah. Th I mean, just like, a, uh, there's certain frequencies and waveforms, you know, that, that, that exist in, in the air and your brain, you know, has different brain waves, theta, you know, gamma, alpha, all these different things. Um, so free different frequencies will affect you differently. Uh, 432 frequency, some people believe activates your pineal gland, which is, um, 
eh, it's kind of what connects you to a higher consciousness, I guess, uh, or, or a spiritual thing, or maybe it's, it's what some people would call the third eye. Oh, okay. It's this gland. It actually has, um, receptors in the gland. So it's not an eye. What does it need receptors for? Anyways. <laughs> so there's a conspiracy that, um, the Nazis and other groups in the thirties and forties, when they did change it to 440, was that so music would lose some of its power. It would have more of a dissonance and, and wouldn't, uh, wouldn't change people the same way. Um, so the theory is, is that music in 432 has a better chance of connecting you to a higher consciousness, to expanding your mind, to you know, being a more empathetic, loving being, killing your ego that makes you think it's okay to um, live off of death and destruction of others, which... Eh, that's the struggle of life. Everything we do is at the expense of something else, whether it's our clothes, our food, yeah. our water. Fucking sucks. We're stuck in this machine. We should rage against it. <laughs> but yeah, so if you look into like cymatics, where it's basically the study of uh, waveforms of different frequencies, they'll put like a sheet over a speaker and like sand. Um, at the Duseum of San Antonio, they have something like oh, this cool. too, where it's like little uh, little balls that will, they'll send different waves. But anyway, so if you do like a 432 and do the cymatics with the sand, you'll see the sand form, you know, kind of it'll show the wave. Uh-huh. Uh, you get more geometric, uh, more visually pleasing images with 432 versus 440. Oh, cool. Yeah, and then also you have the whole like uh, sacred geometry. 432 equals nine. Nine is the meaning of everything. Nikola Tesla, 369. The rabbit hole goes on and on. <laughs> but yeah. That's a whole other episode. YouTube cymatics. <laughs> 432. Prince believed in 432. Oh, cool. Yeah, he was one of those. Uh, so he joined Facebook in 2016, I think, or maybe 2006. I don't know. He joined Facebook, and he did this three-hour question thing where he was he was going to answer fans' questions. For the three hours, he only chose to answer one question. <laughs> the question he answered was, uh, somebody asked, can you explain the significance of 432 hertz? And his response was, it's the gold standard. The gold standard. And then he included a link to, you know, kind of the history of 432. So if Prince is fucking into it, <laughs> motherfucker, you should be too. <laughs> and apparently, so you were telling me that Rage was too? Yeah. I, I mean, this song specifically, definitely. No I don't know shit. about the rest of it, but yeah. it makes sense mm-hmm. hearing all that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't I don't think the power structure is is truly interested in, in all humans being equal. Uh, I so it totally makes sense to me as a conspiracy theorist uh, or critical thinker, you know, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> it makes sense to me that there would be groups that would say, oh, we can make people, you know, because, uh, you know, why would you try and silence certain musicians, certain thinkers, yeah. unless you were interested in keeping certain power structures in place? So it totally makes sense that they would say, let's switch it to 440. Every <laughs> musician I know prefers 432 when they hear them back to back. Some people don't hear a difference, but... Your brain certainly does. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I love hearing stuff about that. Um, do you have any last thoughts about, final thoughts about Denzel Curry? But we, I would feel like we covered rage. Man, yeah. His his song Sirens was really good. I haven't even been able to get into all of his music out there, but I'm really excited. I I think I'm, I'm at a new place in my life where I'm appreciating things in a new way on a deeper level. Um Denzel Curry is one of those musicians that I think is going to lead me to some exciting other artists and 
and interesting insights and ways of thinking that uh, I had not considered. So I'm super pumped. Sirens was really good. I watched a couple other of his videos and they were kind of like scary almost. Yeah. There's one where he's like dressed <laughs> up like a clown and yeah. somebody. it was cool. Fucking dug it. Um, so that was exciting. And he did great. That verse yeah. he, uh, he he put in from Sirens, what did he say? He said something about Donald Duck, Donald Trump. He was the difference. difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he even said it too, where he was like, I feel like, and I think you touched on this, like, I feel like I could, I could put my words in any of these songs. Yeah. <laughs> and they would flow together perfectly. Yeah. So yeah, Final Thoughts was it's a fucking amazing cover. Re-inspired my love of rage and their message and, I think it's the timing of it's cool because the other day they just announced they're doing the tour. Yeah. Yeah. With Run the Jewels. Fuck yeah. I don't know. I'm pumped. I was excited about this episode. Yeah, me too. It's a good song. Definitely. Um it's it's one I'm glad that we're kind of venturing into these YouTube covers because there's so much good stuff out there that's not yeah. on Spotify. It's not yeah. on Bandcamp or SoundCloud or whatever. Yeah, and it just goes back to how uh you know, you can connect artists uh, through and, and fans through yeah. through covers, you know, like those metalheads being like, "Oh well, yeah, Denzel did a good job," and I think they kind of, well, I won't go too into their their <laughs> reaction to it, but it was overall it was positive. Uh, everybody seems to fucking dig it. I love seeing the Venn diagrams that I never thought would be Venn diagrams. <laughs> those are always cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to put it. All right, well, hey, thanks a lot for coming on again. Uh, yeah. We definitely gotta do this again sometime. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'm only here so I can cuss. Fuck bitch, cunt tits. <laughs> That's the perfect, and I can't, I can't, I can't top that. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has been Cover Stories B sides.